The following program contains misinformation, disinformation, and hate speech. It also features personalities who have been labeled far-right, semi-fascist, neo-Nazi, fringe domestic extremists holding unacceptable viewpoints. Any and all calls for justice are to be taken in the context of Minecraft, the game, as are any references to wood chippers, helicopters, or firearms. This product has not been evaluated by the FDA. We do not condone illegal behavior. We do not offer financial, medical, or any other professional advice. All comments are for comedic purposes only. Views expressed within this program do not accurately reflect the views of the corporation or its sponsors. Use only as directed by medical professional. Use of this product may lead to cancer. Other known side effects may include, but are not limited to, hypothermia, heat stroke, sudden adult death syndrome, dizziness, nausea, irritability, cognitive dissonance, confusion, sudden onset dementia and Alzheimer's, winter vagina, erectile dysfunction, transphobia. See pamphlet for more details. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. Consume. Obey. When you're busy making beans Cause upstairs I'm busy making beans And I'm still preoccupied Do you know what I mean? And all these people come to see Let's tear the pot some more It's a better way to be Stupid Hey everybody, tonight I have with me two awesome and inspiring people, a husband and wife who have been innovating, developing, and helping set the standard for self-hosting of podcasts and music for at least a few years now, and they've been having a ton of fun and meaningful conversations while doing it. Thank you for joining me, Sir Spencer and Dame DeLorean. Ah, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate you having us, Bear Snare. I only discovered you guys really in the last few months. Um, I discovered Homegrown Hits because I got a boostagram from it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Which was sweet. And uh, and then, yeah, of course, that led me to Bowl After Bowl, and I've heard some really um, meaningful conversations on there. It's been It's been awesome to listen to. It's one of my favorite new podcasts. Oh, thank you. Oh, thanks. That's awesome. Glad you enjoy it. I like that homegrown hits to bowl after bowl pipeline. Uh, that's a good one. That's that might be the first uh, first listener that made it that way. Well, you know, a lot of what got me really messing around with podcasting 2.0 was the music side of it, um, because I heard kind of through Jack Spearco's group. If you guys are familiar with Jack Spearco oh, yeah. and the Survival Podcast, yep. some some of his folks were telling me about. Um, wave lake and something else and got me to start looking into it um and uh so like i had already i guess i had already started a podcast and had fountain and stuff like that and i'd been messing around with lightning and that kind of thing but um but yeah the and and i'd fantasized about like putting music up as a podcast because people do put music on podcasts but it's Usually, it's kind of hard to find music on podcasts because of copyright issues and stuff. Yep. So, this is a cool 
it's it's a really um yeah it's it's a it's a world that i've sort of dreamed of for a while and it's awesome that it's coming to reality yeah we've been having a lot of fun with it um it's been a long time of uh just kind of waiting around for me anyway um i did christmas eve of was it 2021 Christmas Eve 2021 is when Abel Kirby and I really stay a while, which is our um, kind of value for value music album. Yeah. So Abel and the Wolf. That's right. That is the Wolf. That's a cool album. I like it. Thank you. It's got a a neat uh, like folksy kind of feel to it. Yeah. We had a lot of fun with that and it was a long time uh, coming in the recording. We took that whole we pretty much worked on it all, all of 2021 nice. and then, uh, launched it at the end of the year there. And, uh, after that, it was just kind of like a waiting game for more artists to come aboard or more apps to kind of surface these, uh, albums. And then it really started kicking off with, uh, the musicians coming on board through wave Lake and through, uh, the pushback, that generated with people like there's a kind of a core group of people who kind of wanted another more sovereign way to uh, host things or do things. Yeah. Um, and so we were just kind of waiting for all that. And then when, when Adam did Boostergram ball and even before that, when Booberry was doing before the schemes, his, his streaming show, this, this was when, there was some momentum building up to actually utilize some of this music to, you know, supplement some of these shows that we already had going. Um, and so Booberry, he worked with, uh, Stephen, Stephen Bell to use the split kit that Stephen Bell developed to actually be able to patch these songs in on a live show and be able to allow people to boost like the right song while it was playing in real time. So um that that really was the first uh breakthrough I think into the the live music show type things. Like when uh I think that it was on a test stream. I don't remember the date. Blueberry probably has a screen cap. Um but it was like I think last summer or something. Mm-hmm. July. Nice. Uh, we were just like he had a stream going and then i like picked up a guitar started playing some music did some test boosts like that that, everything's working this works like the sats go where they want them where we want them to go so yeah that's awesome that's awesome and yeah when it was when i heard about boostergram ball that i was like all right i gotta get in on this you know like i gotta get my music up on this on these platforms because it's like i mean it's a small pool you know it's a small pond and it's even if you're a small fish it's easy to like it's it's really an amazing community like Stephen Bell um i i had had some kind of trouble uploading some getting my stuff onto um music side project and it was just because i am completely tech-tarded you know yeah, um, join the cr- join the club there's well, the best of us in here <laughs> what's funny though is like you say that but like you're so far ahead of me too and at the same time i'm doing stuff that even someone who's actually really tech savvy is not familiar with, like with um, 
playing with nodes and stuff. So it's that's exactly like, right. I think it's important to kind of drive home and like I try to say this as often as I can, but people just kind of don't believe me until they've been in it themselves long enough to finally realize like what I've been saying all along. Like I, the only reason I'm ahead is time and exposure. It's not some kind of like innate uh, ability or skill that uh, was given to me at birth or anything. It's just straight up. Like I stumbled in here and have been just banging my head against the wall longer is the only real reason. Right. Yeah. So I can also use that experience to kind of help people who are just coming in too. Oh yeah. I've, I've written like, whole essays trying to like describe how to get your music onto <laughs> oh yeah onto these platforms and then I was in the middle of doing that right when Albie switched their uh they went to invite only and I'm like oh man that means I have yeah. to rewrite stuff <laughs> uh-huh. I was saying uh-huh. that was the easiest way hey I got one of those hey. oh beautiful there you nice. go <laughs> got it you can't have too many dings right um, we can have a ding off to a song later Okay, I'm into ding offs. Right, DeLorean? Hell yeah, I just have an air horn. <laughs> nice. Based, based. Do you actually have your bell hooked up to some kind of elect? Is it like a doorbell kind of thing? It's like uh, some weird, I don't know exactly what it is. It looks kind of like a fire, like an old school fire bell you'd see in like a classroom or factory or something. It is electric. And then it's though. just, yeah, it plugs into the wall. Interesting. And then there's a micro switch going to it. Okay. Uh, manufactured at Freeport, Illinois, USA, baby. <laughs> and then when you just hit this button, uh, that bill gets slapped with 120 volts of whoa, nice. and the lights dim a little bit, and yeah. you know it's a, it's, good, it's a good ambiance. It's loud. Pull, pull People always complain that it's loud. It it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's I've never <laughs> so far lost power over it, but we'll see. Never tripped a breaker over it. Uh, my mine's just one of those normal uh, desktop. Hey. uh Post person, can you come give me service, oh, no. please? You know, rotate I'm, I'm around waiting. in your swivel chair, please. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Next. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so back to like that whole community that's building these platforms. It is amazing how um, willing to help people are. Like that first weekend, Stephen Bell ended up spending like. I don't know how much time he put in, but it seemed like he spent the weekend with me, like holding my hand through the process, you know, (laughs) and it was pretty crazy. And that was just because I posted somewhere on Noster in Lightning for Liberty group. And he happened to be in that group and saw it like he was so quick with responding every time and everything. It was just it was really incredible. And uh, and it seems like he's not the only one who's who's like that. Like everyone seems to be so excited about it. Nice. You know, it's uh, even though I need more help than I feel like I should need. (laughs) It's uh, it's pretty cool to be working my way through this. Ooh, I see your uh, Nostra. I'm going to follow you now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm on there. I I have not put much time into it lately. Um, I don't even really understand what the different like, you know, you have that list of relays that you put in there. I haven't messed with that in a long time. Um. I've only played a, around with a few different clients. I'm also kind of just in the the shallow kiddie pool side of Noster for sure, but uh, I think that it has potential. I think enough people are working on it that, you know, it's going to be one of those slow roll things. You know, um, Adam effectively killed 
no agenda social by just hating on it for long enough. So I wonder if <laughs> he just keeps hating on Noster if they'll delete that too. <laughs> yeah, I want I don't know any of the details on what went on there cuz I had not joined no agenda social. So um I'm sure there's some kind of background stuff, but I, you know, I was in there a long time and I don't really know much either. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> just a lot of fun, man. I just kind of drink beers and watch from the sidelines. There um, we go. You know, just another spot to troll, poke the bear and stuff. I'm I'm drinking beers right now and I am bear. Beers with bears. Yeah, beer. Yep. Cheers. Beers and bears. Cheers. Cheers to the beers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, so you guys have had some really amazing conversations with your guests, including Stephen Bell. Like you guys were talking about homesteading and stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's um <clears throat> I really didn't think that I would find so much in common with people who are doing this nerdy coding stuff. <laughs> um, right. And yet it seems like a lot of like you guys, you guys have chickens and you, you're doing some kind of homesteady kind of thing, right? Yeah, a little bit somewhat. Yeah. As much as you can do probably in the, uh, in the city where we're at. Yeah. We add a little bit each year, I would say. Nice. That's, I mean, that's kind of what we do. We're in town. We've, have half an acre but we're in town and so it's sort of like we've got a nice little yard but it's also there's the school and there's the fire company and there's the nursing home and you know it's it's all right there very nice how much uh like what are you working with as far as um what you're able to do probably well we only have like two or three tenths of an acre maybe something like that uh we mainly just have the chickens and we do garlic every year. Like that's the nice. thing that we've been able to keep up with. Yeah. Tomatoes and peppers. Yeah. Um, we just helped Spence's dad move into a new place in the past two years. So we were helping him do more gardening. <laughs> so we kind of let like the tomatoes and peppers go over here hey, that's... to help him get started up there. You know, so like they're still going technically just a different location. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, that's that's good, though. But the first year when we moved in to this house, we had the whole backyard as a garden. Pretty much. I think it was like, I don't know, 20 feet by seven feet or something. It was crazy. We tried everything. Nice. Carrots, cucumbers, watermelons, pumpkins and, uh, you know, mediocre results. <laughs> But it was fun. You and know, the garlic. You some know, things garlic will thrive is... and some things will die. And that's kind of how it is. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Like with the garlic, at least. Um, I get mine from a farm out in Oregon. Uh, my seed garlic. Huh. At least I got the original um, batch from out there. And then the strategy to kind of select for your area is just to kind of grab like the biggest fattest ones every year and save those to plant in the next year, you know? So you just kind of grab the most successful bulbs and plant those ones and then eat the rest of them. Yeah. And so I did that a couple of seasons and then one season, (laughs) one season, uh, my dad's dog stayed with me and they just jumped into the, uh, garlic patch like probably a month before harvest and just kind of trampled all of it to shit so oh man I got a I got a new fresh round of uh, that... seed garlic got some different varietals and oh, kind of just starting over this year yeah. we planted them in like November I think 
the very end of November. We uh, we missed our garlic planting this year. We usually do the mm. same thing, and uh, we had a bunch set aside to plant, and then just didn't do it because as fall comes on, things get busy, and we start yep. concentrating on other things. And yeah, so oh well, we'll just buy it this year, I guess, and. Or, or just eat the stuff that we had set aside. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. If you get to it like right after the ground thaws in the spring, you can still plant and just harvest a tiny bit later. But um, yeah, I was thinking I could probably still put it in and make yeah. something happen. Maybe like six weeks from now, you can throw that shit in the ground. It'll be totally fine yeah. by late June. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. It's um. It's cool to be you know, trying to grow some of your own food. It's uh, Agreed, I think it's yeah. very important. Um, a lot of, a lot of not so good stuff going on in the food industry. Oh God. And, in every industry, man. Yeah. And, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I heard, what was it? Was it with uh, Mary Kate ultra um, and make heroism who were talking and maybe, uh, you DeLorean also had some of these experiences with like the medical industry and just like general malpractice and how, just how bad some of it is. Oh yeah. 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 It's like the last place you want to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. No, and no doubt. I know. I, my, uh, my primary care physician or whatever is someone I haven't seen in well over a decade. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> I don't even have one anymore. It's yeah, great. I don't. I mean, I think yeah. that pretty much means I don't have one. <laughs> I go to like, I've got like a chiropractor, a witch doctor, and two drug dealers, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I've got. <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of a joke, but. Uh, I've got a chiropractor who I'd like to turn into my drug dealer. and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. No. Uh, yeah, I've, uh, and he's also sort of a witch doctor, so that kind of <laughs> <Yeah>. works too. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah, if you can uh, get as many of those ticked off in one box, you know. <laughs> well, I don't know. That's not really um, decentralized, is it? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's true, yeah. I don't know. I haven't done a lot of different drugs. Well, thanks for that, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, me either, to be honest, but... Mm. But, uh... Well, a lot of different drugs have done me, though. Ooh. Tell me about that. Uh, well. <laughs> college, but, man. It was a wild time. Yeah. That's mostly what I learned about in college was, like, how to party. I likes to party. You likes to party. And how to not alienate women completely. Which <laughs> <laughs> took me a while. I didn't learn that till like, my mid-20s. <laughs> yeah yeah that's about right <laughs> I, there's this like big blurry line and only about two and a half years i was actually enrolled in college but i kind of consider all of that college still yeah yeah even, even the times after I, I dropped out you know i went to college twice and dropped out twice and um yeah it's it's still the college years yeah exactly <laughs> at some point i decided it was more worthwhile working and buying a house yeah i think that was probably correct except i bought that house in 07 so that wasn't not the perfect timing, but you know. Mm, yeah, it was uh, better than now. Yeah, dude, you're right. It it was, and honestly, even though my house lost value and stuff, at least I was able to take some uh, equity that, like, it would have been in 
you know, funds anyway that would have crashed. So like they would have lost value as well. So like whatever, my down payment, I kind of preserved it, you know. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't really a bad thing. It was just, uh, it seemed bad not being able to sell my house for a while. Yeah. Um, it's just nice to have one, have an asset, have a house, <laughs> you know, like you're not paying somebody else's mortgage yeah. uh, th- through rent every and, month. And being able to do what you want with it, like hang stuff Definitely. on the walls, um, do some plumbing or some wiring or whatever, like a little sure. remodeling, like all that kind of stuff is, uh, you know, never, ha- uh, never stopped me as a renter, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm I, always a, one of those guys, you know, at forgiveness is better than permission kind of guys. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely I mean, a great way to live your life. I've, uh, go ahead. The, the first apartment that I ever had, uh, was right off a of campus. They, they were called the J slums. Cause they're like right outside of the journalism school. And it was this apartment that had been like hot, uh, hot potatoed through a bunch of hands over like six years because of different sublet agreements. So usually in a normal circumstance, if like a lease runs out, people move out and then the cleaning crew comes in and they get it back to like 100 percent and then they lease it to somebody new. But this particular unit had just been kind of hopscotched around from like kind of not even friends, but like kind of loose acquaintances through the J school for a while. So by the time I got it, like nobody had been there from the uh, apartment management company in like six years and like, you know, probably as many tenants at least. Um, And so we had this like there was this wall. The apartment was a three bedroom apartment and the kitchen was sort of just a hallway with a kitchen built into it that led to the third room that was in the back of the apartment. And as you're walking through this hallway, there was a wall on the right side. It was just like this wall that jutted out and it was like super loose and wobbly. And like the first week we moved in, we were all like, wow, this lo- this wall's not going to live long. Like, <laughs> I, I know you, you know him, he knows me. We're going to fuck this place up. And we like had weird visions of, uh, or delusions of like finding like treasure behind it or something. Oh, of course. And it was only like the third time that we got really hammered together that we ended up, uh, somebody (laughs) fell into it and we heard a real big crack. And so we were like, tonight's night. And we just started punching holes and shit in it. (laughs) Did you find any treasure? There was no treasure, unfortunately, and no bodies, no nothing interesting, but it was like big enough for like three people to walk into and stand up in. (laughs) And so we just bought a big ass piece of, uh, Wait, so there was a uh, hidden space behind it? Yeah, it was just kind of like a an extra closet. So Dude. we bought a we bought a huge piece of particle board and sprayed it with knockdown to match the rest of the walls and then we put hinges on it and we had like our own little secret door. So like then we put a big ass fucking fireproof safe back there and like we hit all of our bullshit in there and <laughs> it was it was awesome. It was perfect. Nice. When I was in college, um I went to a a church college and as a freshman, you weren't allowed to have alcohol. Uh oh. Right. And so me and my roommate had some anyway. And we had the, a couple of those big old speakers that, um, you know, the, the ones made out of wood that are like three feet tall. <clears throat> we pulled one of them apart and used it to hide our liquor in. <laughs> and someone must have snitched on us because oh, one of the RAs. The 
Well, for some reason, we got lucky because this night we put our vodka bottle somewhere else. And this RA comes in and he was just like, he walked directly to this speaker and pulled it apart like he knew what he was doing. And... He found nothing, but it was like, oh, you know, you know exactly what you were looking for. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. those loose lips. Yep. <laughs> so is that the uh, origin of your your uh, podcast name there? My friends hate freedom because <laughs> you got snitched on. No, no. Okay. Um, the origin of that is the pandemic, really. Okay, sick. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's that I felt pretty isolated um, by like 21 when it came clear that I was one of the only people among my friend group who was seeing through the bullshit and yeah. the rest of them were still like worried and isolating and stuff. I was like, wow, I need to start looking for more friends and start doing other stuff and that kind of thing. So, um. Yeah, I started like reaching out a little bit more to. I, I joined Freedom Cells, if you know what that is. And I don't. What's that? That is, um, it's basically a website to connect people locally. It's very geographically based, so you're looking to pe- to find people who are in your area to help create um, like sustainable, freedom oriented communities in your local area. Okay. It's um, freedomcells.org is where it is. Um, okay, I'm pulling I it up now. did meet some cool people through there. Um, Interesting. But I'm also not a joiner. I'm kind of like, I like Word. being in my bear cave and not like, I don't know. I'm, I'm not good at, I'm, I'm very close to people who I've had in my life for decades. And it's very hard for me to let other people in especially to like the trust area sure (laughs) so and no new friends right no new friends well i've got friends but not like people who i'm gonna move in with or make commitments to and stuff sure yeah you know um totally i've got like strong family bonds and stuff and so i've got like I, i have sort of my little group of people who i'm very close to and I see all the time anyway and it's like even though there are people who might be a little bit more ideologically aligned with me um it's hard to like I said trust and and just like really let other people in yep. I guess yeah I totally get it uh, it's a big risk you know especially when there's so many dummies who are gonna yeah, panic or I don't know what like the the COVID thing, man, you bring that up. Uh, I was in a lot of different like libertarian groups and we even went to the libertarian convention in 2016 as uh, state delegates. Oh, wow. Um, (laughs) And it was just like, it it was like the, another political disillusion, you know, where we, we went in, we gave it a shot and we're like, wow, this really isn't it either. Huh? Um, in fact, when the pandemic started, there was a lot of like local libertarian 
leaders and politicians and people like office seekers, you know, libertarian office seekers who, uh, you know, when I was starting to be like, all right, this is pretty fucking dumb. You know, after two weeks to stop this, like the two weeks to stop the spread, I was like, all right, whatever. I can shut my mouth for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm fine with shutting my mouth for two weeks. When that, you know, can the very first time they kick that two week can further down the road, I was like, all right, fuck you. You know, you know, you asked for two weeks. I gave you that. It's over. It's done. Yeah. It's you're scamming me out now. And there were like thought leaders and libertarians locally who were like, well, you know, it's a little weird of a time to full press for liberty during like a global pandemic in this dangerous time. I'm like. Uh, this is the actual time where it matters. What do you mean it's a weird time to flex for liberty? This is like the fucking time you need to. Yeah, yeah. This is like the time where it matters. It's easy when everything's cool and laid back and like it's just uh, giant deuce versus turd sandwich again. And we're like, oh, rabble, rabble, you know, we need our liberty. Uh, once it's actually being taken away, that that's the time where it fucking actually matters, man. It's like yeah. of consequence. Yep. Yeah, and and so many of us, even myself to some extent, kind of like gave in, you know? Like I mm-hmm. wore that fucking mask for way too long, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, we we had some discussions yeah. during that time of like like battle fatigue and kind of like I don't want to go to goddamn war just to get a gallon of milk, you know? Um, right. Yeah. We we kind of had fun little uh compromise ways to to go about it. Like I most of the blue collar people around here did the bandana thing. Yeah. Where it was just kind of like, all right, well, we'll just do this Jesse James Robin a train style and we'll, we'll wear a uh, bandana and then I'll just have it around my neck, you know? And if somebody comes up and makes a fuss, then I'm like, all right, sure. I'll slip it over my nose. But it ended up being kind of a, 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 this little light of mind type of thing where during the peak of all that, if you go into a place and you were the only one without a mask on, people would look and see, Oh, that guy's doing it. Maybe I can do it. And then like, yeah, you know, if, if I can just be the, if I can be the balls that somebody needs to see to like join in, that's fine. That's fine for me. Well, that's cool. If you were, if you were like the first person in a place to take off that mask, that's awesome. As the only time, as only time too, I've like, uh, I've lost my shit on somebody in public, done a public, like, (laughs) oh yeah, I was thinking of your public freak out. (laughs) So it was like, right when this bullshit was going down and we were at Menards, we're going into Menards and everyone had a different policy and everybody's like, well, we're looking at the science, but then everybody had a different policy. It's like, well, no, everybody's just having a fucking Zoom meeting and deciding something. You ain't looking at fucking science. You don't know what the fuck you're talking about. You're just making some kind of a decision and you're saying this is our policy so that we have one so that we look like we're doing something. And their policy was nobody under 16 was allowed in the store. Oh. And so at the, at the time, I think uh, we had like, a three-year-old and a one-year-old, something like that, something right in there. And uh, we all went into Menards. I needed to run in to get like two essentials. And it was freezing rain outside. It was freezing rain in the spring. And they were like, uh, you know, your, your kids can't come in. And so, like, obviously I can't just leave my kids out alone. So I'm yeah, like, I was pregnant too. I'm going to make my oh, two geez. babies and my pregnant wife 
wait out in the freezing rain so that what no one gets fucking sick you're gonna make them stay out in the freezing rain <laughs> get sick is that what i'm fucking hearing and i just started screaming at this lady oh, how man. retarded she was like i was pit i was livid i was livid she did you know that whole like have a nice day, sir, at the end. And I was like, Which as soon as, soon as she had the have a nice day, sir, I was like, fuck you! Fuck you! Go fuck yourself! <laughs> Everybody, like, just like... <laughs> and everyone else was just streaming in the store, like, just pretending it was not happening. Just, like, going in there, total fucking non-player character mode, like, just walking in, like... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm like, am I the... Am I the only, or only one here? <laughs> Am I the only one here who sees a problem? Like, I. Pfft. But you know, it's it's funny too because a lot of people saw a problem. And they're just kind of like, mm, they're gonna like look at or they're gonna look at their shoes and just keep going because they don't want to cause yeah. any friction. And it's not like I like live to cause friction, but I also like you know that's what's got to go down. Like I don't have a big problem with it either. Right. You know, a lot of people are like. Oh well, it's immature. You know, you just you, you got to take the high road. You got what about the optics? Think of the optics. You're not going to convince people to come to your side. I'm like, I don't have a fucking side. You know, I'm not trying to start a club or uh, join a political party or like I'm not. I don't have a side. I'm not trying to convince you of shit. I'm just saying what I believe. Like, um, I don't know. Like that part always boggles me when people hand ring about optics. You know. Like, oh, what is it going to look like? Uh, people are people have already decided. People have already decided that you're a freak, that you're an idiot, that you're a moron. So who gives a fuck about optics? Like, the optics yeah, aren't going to yeah. get any better by being a, a limp-wristed bitch about stuff, you know? Like, fuck it. Yeah, for sure. Was it different for you? So I'm guessing um, for you, you saw through, like, the agenda earlier on which was the case for me. And I felt like I was having a different experience than everyone. Like, yeah, I was afraid of different things than everyone else was afraid of. Cause they were afraid of a virus. And I was afraid of what the government was doing, <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, and that was, that was a strange dynamic to have going through it all. Yeah. I liked all of the dumbass exceptions to the rules because I was just like, um, I was just like, all right, you put that in there. I'm I'm liking that. Like our city said you couldn't go anywhere unless you were going to work or to the grocery store to the dry cleaners. So I just like everywhere I went, I had a fucking uh three button up shirts in the back. Like I'm I'm constantly <laughs> going to the go. dry cleaners. <laughs> yeah. Where am I going? To the dry cleaners, nice. man. It's like listed as one of the places I can go. And you can go fuck yourself, you know? Like, <laughs> I it's just so absurd. And like, I, really my philosophy too, when it comes to the freedom thing and, and all of the rules that people are like, you know, waving around and threatening you with like my philosophy. When you, when I read the constitution and it talks about, you know, people being created equally and endowed by God with inalienable rights. Like if I'm born, it's too late for you. You know, like the very fact that I'm alive and I can yell shit at you means that I have these rights. Like my rights are just inherent, right? Like I'm already alive. So it's too late for you to try and curtail that shit. Um, 
I don't know. People always handering about, well, the government, they've got guns and they've got this and they've got that. I'm like, well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. The way I see rights is. <laughs> They're um, not the only ones, my man. <laughs> you kind of, I think there's something with rights. We have the right to do what's right. That's why it's called rights. Mm, I um, like that. And I think that is something that gets missed a lot throughout. Yeah. Like the conversations that we have about rights. Um, we certainly don't have what are referred to as positive rights where it's like, oh, you have a right for to free housing or free healthcare or free whatever. Like none of that is actual rights because that all requires taking it from someone else. It right. requires someone else Correct. to provide it, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, beyond that, like we certainly have the right to um, decide what goes in our bodies, defend ourselves against an aggressor, um, defend ourselves against theft, you know, mm-hmm. defend our property. Like all those things are are certainly within our rights, and, and it is right to do that because someone who's trying to do that kind of thing to you is, um, is a violent aggressor, really. Yeah. And these are things that are so deeply inherent and obvious, uh, for living people that uh, I think that's kind of that that's at least my reading of the whole phenomena that was the country's founding. Like, um, you know, all they were doing was acknowledging what already existed. Like the, the bill of rights doesn't enshrine any extra privileges on the people. The bill of rights restricts the government and that's what it's always supposed to have been about. And we are so deep down this uh, slippery slope. You know, we're like two and a half, almost three centuries past a, a, a slippery slope of backsliding into government overreach and just ignoring the whole intention of it. Like, I think that the federal versus state thing and how, you know, now it's just kind of a given if you're a law student, like, oh yeah, anytime that federal and state laws conflict, like the federal laws are uh the ones that are upheld like that's not yeah that's not how they convinced the states to join the union you know that was not the pitch right well you know what actually this brings up something you're very well versed in um weed legalization weed yeah. all that kind of you know a lot about that and i have a question about like doesn't when when a state decides that it's legal, doesn't that automatically nullify the federal law? But they don't. Well, that's they don't treat it like that, do they? That's the fucked up situation and the fucked up reality of our weed laws currently. And we mention this on the show frequently. Like the fact that weed is federally illegal means that there is no legal weed anywhere. Uh, there are state legal programs, and like you can go into a shop and they'll let you do it. Uh, but right now the only thing standing in between you and some federal jackboot on your neck is, uh, uh, a memo at the department of justice, uh, that was originally written by Eric Holder, which says, you know what, we're not going to prosecute states that are legalizing and have legal programs. Like if this, if a state has a legal program, we've just decided as a matter of policy out of the goodness of our hearts that we're not going to pursue any federal prosecu- prosecutions there. Doesn't mean that they can't. Doesn't mean that tomorrow they can't just be like, you know what, fuck it. You're violating federal law. 
you're ours now. It just means that they've decided not to do it. And that is just a Department of Justice policy right now. And it has been since, I don't know, probably 2010 or something. When is the Holder memo? But it is like, it is illegal, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 50 state <laughs> illegal. Everywhere in the United States, no, weed I mean, is I mean, illegal. I mean, the federal law um, well, doesn't yeah, have jurisdiction yeah. in states that have nullified it. That part is illegal. It's supposed to be. You know, yeah. if if you're a if you're a constitutionalist, then everything that the Constitution doesn't mention is supposed to be reserved uh, for the states and the people. To, yeah, I uh, guess if you reduce it to a certain point, most of what they do is illegal. Mm-hmm. They've broken all their own laws. They snuck in through the Commerce Clause, and now they say, "Well, everything is commerce. Once you cross the state line, it's commerce." Like that's how they fuck us with all of this illegal shit, like federal income tax. Uh, pretty much every federal overreach stems out of this commerce clause and how it's just widely and broadly interpreted to mean that they can, uh, we're the federal government. We can do anything that we want because it involves money. Yeah. (laughs) It's just so wrecked. Like the, the way that the courts and, uh, um, agencies have interpreted this over time. They just, of course, interpret it to give themselves more power because that's, that's what you do. Once you get power, you get, you want more power, and so you carve out more power over generations. Uh, and as long as the people just shrug and look at their shoes and go, well, you know, I don't want to get bonked on the head, so, uh, you know, whatever, then then that's the way it's going to be, you know? Like, you get what you put up with as yeah. a society. And uh, we put up with a fucking lot compared to uh, the guys that shot and stabbed the British out of the country. Right. Yeah, for sure. Over, you know, three it's, pennies on a pound of tea. It's crazy. We're, we're definitely, even if the boiling frog analogy isn't quite accurate uh, um, from a biological standpoint, it is definitely accurate from the, uh, the analogy or the metaphor is, is certainly true because we've just gotten so complacent. Um, and it's, it's just so easy to keep going on in the, in the, environment that we're used to um mm-hmm. and giving up a little bit you know yeah isn't well they give us never the little, seems like that much they give us the little tasty cookie you know they give you the little covid check in your bank account you don't even have to do anything it just shows up and you're yeah. like ooh, 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 i got a few thousand dollars in my bank account uh yay i'm not mad anymore i like social distancing yeah i'm gonna go buy a playstation <laughs> this is great <laughs> Uh, that was when I got into Bitcoin, actually. Oh, yeah? Yeah. How, how did that all go down? Well, uh, again, Jack Spierko, um, I, I had been thinking about it for a while, um, mm-hmm. but it all just seemed too daunting to me. Mm-hmm. And he put it so plainly in a way, like, just go to Coinbase, create an account. It's like creating an account anywhere else, blah, 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 and buy some and then, like, a wallet like he he did a step-by-step thing that was just so simple that it's like okay i can fucking do this you know <laughs> it's easy yep right yeah and uh yeah i will say there's been a whole that's been a whole rabbit hole since then and yeah, yeah. The, the whole self-custody thing has sent me on a journey um my that's first that's what i love man you you can't really take a no coiner and start them off on like the full crazy uh, right way to do it. It's like, uh, 
Well, and even communicating the idea of self-custody to someone, like, your Bitcoin is always going to be stored on the blockchain, right? Yep. And yet, self-custody. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? So it's like the difference between your seed phrase, I guess, and, and the actual, like, coin or whatever. But it's all, like, it's all really hard to freaking describe and i am not a good um diplomat or representative of that kind of stuff because i'm just (laughs) terrible at talking about it like i don't it's when i start opening my mouth about it it's like i don't know what i'm talking about yeah so what i like to describe self-custody as is there's two different there's two different ways that you can finger wag have bitcoin and one of them you don't really have bitcoin uh so it just is it just comes down to do you own the private keys that uh govern the unspent transaction output that represents your bitcoin so if you have bitcoin what you really have are utxos that represent an amount of bitcoin you are authorized to send anywhere to any other bitcoin address and so if i'm a coinbase customer and i have a coinbase account i don't have access to the utxos that represent that bitcoin i have access to a coinbase account and if i want to send that bitcoin i have to somehow call up coinbase uh usually through a website and through a little series of actions there and i have to say daddy may i please send that bitcoin that you're holding for me to somebody else and they have to say yeah okay we're cool with that and then or no way you it. just bought it it's still on hold or wait yeah 30 days pal you gotta wait your 30 <laughs> days or what you know whatever they say or they say uh, it looks like you have a Russian IP address. What's up with that, my my man? I don't think so. I think that you don't get to send that Bitcoin anywhere. Um, so that obviously becomes not yours if you can't send it. Then you know, or if there's rules in between you and sending it, or exceptions or limits, then it's not really fully yours. Uh, versus if you do have those private keys, then you just sign a transaction as though you have a checkbook and you're signing a check because you are the owner so you authorize it being sent and that's what a key is all about a private key means that you really do have the final authority and the final say and so it comes down to who has the keys if you hold the keys then you can be uh resting easy that that is indeed all the way yours nobody can take it unless they also have the keys (laughs) right well that brings up ledger because that sent mm. me on another whole journey. Um, mm. My first cold storage was Ledger. And I put what to me as not a very high roller, but still like a significant amount of funds on a Ledger. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, sweet, I've got it safe. No one's ever going to have access to my keys, blah, blah, blah. And then all this stuff starts coming out of Ledger. And... Yep. You guys are some of the first ones to talk about that. <clears throat> Bitcoin Dad also and Jack Spearco, they were the other ones who I heard about this whole thing from. Yeah. And um yeah, that kind of scared me a little bit and suddenly I've spent more money, like hundreds more dollars to buy different cold storage methods and um send significant amounts to different addresses and stuff and it's like oh man ledger really fucked me didn't they or at least no doubt at least my foma or my my fear of what they might be doing really fucked me but But that's the it, it all comes back to that power thing right so like the nice thing about bitcoin at its base layer 
and uh, it's it's very basic protocol is that you have a protocol where you do not have to trust anybody. You can verify everything yourself, and you can prove everything is legit. And so, once you add any layer of trust, then you have to be cool with that. Now, uh, I need trust a lot in my life, right? Like, I think that living, you know, good or bad, for, for whatever reason, we live in a society, and we gonna, we're going to have to trust one another as humans on some level. Uh, with money, it gets a little bit weird because the more you trust people with money, the easier it is for them to fuck you. And uh, what's nice about things like uh, looking at what what cold storage option am I going to use or what what is the best way to sign these transactions securely? Um, if you can't pull up all of the code behind it, or if you can't, you know, make one yourself or make a copy, or if, if anything is hidden behind secret deals or NDAs or uh, uh, things like that, then that's a red flag. Um, I really like the uh, seed signer too. Uh, I just got components to, to build three of them. So I'm just going to make, that's kind of my next Bitcoin uh, rabbit hole to go down. What is that? Is, uh, Seed signer is basically an air gapped uh, environment to generate private keys. Oh, okay. So I did that recently with uh, cold card. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I it's did just the whole rolling dice and everything. And so now yep. my seed phrase has never touched the internet, which is nice. Yeah, that's a lot of fun. Uh, it took a long time, it was tedious. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, see, a seed signer can get you a similar situation. So I just ordered. Basically, you need a Raspberry Pi Zero and a little uh, LCD screen and a little uh, camera that they sell for them. And, you know, for like 60 bucks or something, you can put it all together yourself and have a signing device. This is really all wallets are anyway, is just signing devices. It's, it's tough because we have to come up with language for this totally new system. Yeah. And so yeah. it's going to be based upon old language just to be able to barely be able to communicate with a normie who's right never understood any of this stuff and so the language becomes a little inaccurate you know yeah the language has so much to do with how i understand it yep (laughs) it's like a huge challenge man like talking about bitcoin it's like the seven blind guys grabbing an elephant and trying to describe it or whatever like the analogy is oh yeah that's very much it it's a lot of that going on you know and all we have in language is old shit that we are using to describe this new thing with. Uh, so it's, it's really, it's really a pain in the ass, but uh, all you can do is just keep trying and keep talking about it. That's like the whole genesis of our on-chain, off-chain cocaine shit scene, our Bitcoin segment. Like it's named that <laughs> just because of the word vomit required to talk about what you did in Bitcoin this week, you know, like, um, it was like a few times on the show that we started talking about building nodes and setting things up and opening channels that uh, we noticed people in the chat were kind of like either people in the chat were also on the level and they like enjoyed the discussion or there were some people in the chat who had no what the no fucking idea what we were talking about, but they still liked it. That's me. And so we were like, 
they they were like, hey, you know, we don't understand most of what you're saying, but like keep saying it. And then we just kind of leaned into it, you know? Yeah. Um, when it comes, so I have a lightning note. I have a start nine, right? Mm-hmm. And I've got a lightning node running. Um, but I don't know. I've never opened a channel okay. <laughs> and I don't quite understand why you want to do it. Like, I understand it's got, it's about enabling liquidity or whatever, yep. but like, I don't quite understand how it works either. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it, you'll never, you'll so, never understand it until you do it. Okay. Well, I guess that's one that. thing. Yeah. It's like what? The analogy I frequently use is like driving a car, right? Imagine you're a teenager, you get your first car, you've never driven, you've never seen your parents drive. So that's the unique situation we're in with Bitcoin, right? With cars, we've seen our parents and grandparents drive. We've grown up driving cars. Yeah, yeah. We didn't see our parents and grandparents using Bitcoin. This is like totally new. So imagine you get a car, it's totally new, your grandparents and parents never drove, and you're going to say, you know, I don't feel comfortable driving to the grocery store until I read all of the owner's manual of my car. And then I want to call a mechanic and bring him over to my house. And he's going to point out under the hood, what all these things in my car do. And like, this is the uh, engine and this is the, where the oil goes. And this is my catalytic converter. And this is what all this does. And then once I feel comfortable and I have a full understanding of that, now I feel comfortable driving to the grocery store. It still doesn't inform you a goddamn thing about how to drive to the grocery store. Like the only way to learn how to do that is to get in there and actually drive to the grocery store a few times. And maybe you do it clumsily at first, but you got to just build that muscle memory and have the actual lived experience of doing it before it has any sort of meaning in your life at all. Like before that, it's just it's just like a, a a thought exercise. It's not even really meaningful. How much uh, maintenance do lightning channels tend to take? Oh, I guess it kind of depends on your setup. Well, I went two years without doing anything. <laughs> Did you? Okay, so that's good. Yeah. So if I check in on it like once a month or whatever, it's not that bad of a... Like, because yeah, that's kind it, of the thing I could do. I could get up on a weekend morning and like check on it, but I'm not going to be going to it daily or whatever. You, you know? don't really have to. It just kind of depends on how often you use it uh, and what your like use case is. But like, uh, I don't know. Another yeah, really I mean, nice thing about just play around, but they say like a million sats is about the minimum you want to play with. So that's like, that's a big amount of money to play with. If you're just playing with it, not knowing what you're doing, you know? Sure. Yeah. I totally get that. Uh, I will say that like, I've had some shit go really sideways with nodes, but I've never lost any sats or not been able to find them over it. You know, like they all are accounted for. So it's not as though like, I don't know. Every, everybody has this like approach of they're like, not financial advice and uh, do your own research. And uh, I don't take responsibility for what you do, which is like, yeah. I'm, I'm going to put that's, that that's bumper true. on the beginning of this episode. It'd be like, <laughs> it would be sort of like, uh, if I were to say to you, hey, uh, I'll tell you how to gr- drive to the grocery store, but it's not medical advice, you know, and if you hit somebody on the way there, it's not my fault. And like, you know, take take do your own research on how to drive like it's sort of like that, you know, like, yeah, there's a lot of things that maybe could go wrong, but will they? Nah, right. No, if, yeah. if you just like in a sane world, you know, and you're paying attention, you'll be fine. 
And uh, I I don't know. A lot of people do a lot of fear. Like they lead with fear, you know? Well, I will um, say the the moment that I actually connected to my node with a wallet was victorious because it took me a long time to get there. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it's it's a really cool feeling. I think that, that there's two really big aha moments for me running the node aside from the show itself. So like I only made a lightning node because of podcasting 2.0 and because like in the early days you had to have a node. That was the only way. Like if you didn't have a node, you didn't have a podcast that could receive boosts and stuff. So uh, seeing those stats come in obviously was kind of the Genesis, but then really when I um, was appreciative of it and when I like really understood the power I truly had in a node, the first time was, when uh, Eric Yakes came and spoke to the Bitcoin, uh, Casey Bitcoiners, um, and he brought his book, uh, The Seventh Property, and I bought a copy. He was there at the bar, and so I was not at home. I was at a bar in Kansas City, and he gave me a lightning invoice, and I scanned it with Zeus, and I paid that lightning invoice with my node here wow. at home over Tor instantly with no fee. And I paid in Bitcoin and I was like, fuck yeah, that was incredible. Like I used the sats that uh, are on my node ready to use if I want to use them. And I just bought something from the sky right here. And I don't like, he doesn't need to know who I am. I don't need to know who he is. I just need to pay this lightning invoice and then it's done deal. Boom. And then the second time was in the reverse of that when we did the uh, Bitcoin block party and we Mm. were selling some stones and other, you know, goods and services, like goods and wares, I should say. No services. <laughs> Not yet. Uh, but we were just selling, you know, um, some gemstones and this and that. Yeah. Jewelry, things I've made. Oh, that's cool. And stuff. Uh, yeah, and that was my first time seeing it in action. I just had Zeus on my phone hooked up to my node and instantaneous transactions. People came wanting to use credit cards and WhatsApp and stuff and all that stuff would take like three minutes to process Mm -hmm. and go through. So we tried to direct everyone to a liaison at the Bitcoin block party and say, no, just take your cash and turn it into sats. (laughs) (laughs) Don't want to mess with fiat. Yeah. It ended up being much easier to accept sats for payment. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah. I've, uh, I've done enough scanning of, QR lightning addresses and stuff that, yeah, it goes pretty fast, huh? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that lightning dude, that, thing's no joke. That stuff's, that's, that's where it's at as far as actually using it, you know, because of the fees. And, yep. okay, so yeah, that's another question is like, you paid no fees, but lightning fees are usually kind of minimal compared to Bitcoin, I guess. Yeah, it, it just depends on the route. So, like, if I have a, if I have a lightning node and I have a direct channel to the recipient that I'm trying to send money to, then it costs me nothing. Because the only time you pay fees is when you go, when your payment goes into one node and then out of that same node. Then as it leaves that node to another hop, they can charge whatever fee they want for that to you know help facilitate that payment. Right. So if you have a direct channel to somebody, then the fee is always zero. Oh, nice. So that's the point of opening... Channels? Yeah, that's the that point of like being well connected outbound is if if I'm going to spend some uh lightning 
then um, it's important to have outbound channels, at least to well-connected nodes, just to find a route. But also, like, if I know in advance, oh, you know, most of my payments go to people who have a wallet of Satoshi, let's say, then I'm just going to open a direct channel to wallet of Satoshi's node, and then I pay nothing to send sats to wallet of Satoshi because it goes through my channel on my node directly to their node, and that's where it ends. And there's no fee because I'm not going to charge myself a fee to send, you know, the Bitcoin. Right. Well, I'm going to have to listen back to some of this stuff because, (laughs) yeah, we've gotten into the weeds and we're certainly alienating our listeners, half of them at least by now. Hey, that's that's one of my specialties. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Getting people to turn off the show. But, um, well, something that is awesome about the uh, peaceful revolution that seems to be going on with behind um, Adam Curry and inventing and reinventing podcasts and all that stuff. Like there's artists, you know, and there's, there's people who are actually like doing interesting stuff. (laughs) Absolutely. Not not just like prepping or talking politics. (laughs) Yeah. Thank goodness. (laughs) Yeah. I love it. And, uh, I think like, um, I, I, we we joke around a lot and poke fun and poke the bears, but I have a great deal of respect uh, for Adam and like all of the trails that he's blazed and like the the trends that he spotted early and just just by merely talking about them into a microphone has kind of added a lot of fuel to the fire and, and made things possible. You know, like uh, without his voice, his uh, powerful well. You're breaking up. A lot of people are are in the same situation. So um, he's definitely a pioneer and a trailblazer and somebody I've kind of looked up to and um, stolen a lot of moves from uh, over the time, over the past, you know, five, six years, uh, probably the past decade since I started listening to No Agenda, really, because he took, uh, you know, I found that show at a time where, um, I was kind of disillusioned with a lot of the the regular paths. I had already kind of, uh, you know, I was starting to find libertarianism. So I kind of got out of the mainstream political thing uh, and explored some alternatives. But even those alternatives turned out to be kind of disappointing, let's say. Uh, And was just kind of trying to figure out, all right, well, what can I do? if I don't want to join a team or if I don't want to, you know, like what, what if I build my own thing? And Adam has been a proponent of that for the longest, you know, he's like a a huge DIY guy and like, Oh, can I figure it out myself? Can I tinker with it? Can I get uh, my own version up and running that works? Like who gives a shit about it being easy or intuitive or obvious at the start? Like that's kind of part of the fun for me too. Like if it's, obvious and laid out and somebody holds your hand throughout the entire process and you don't have to learn anything, then you're probably a product, you know, rather than, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, rather than, uh, having something that's a tool for you to use. You are the tool, you know? Yeah. You call me so, a tool. <laughs> you are the tool. No, man, you got a lightning node, man. You're no tool. Yeah, and you're rocking the well, demi. It's not doing much. <laughs> yeah, all in good time. Uh, you should join one of our rings of fire, man. 
we're making ring of fire all the time. So if you need some channels, that's the best way to get some, oh, especially okay. if you don't have many. I think I heard DeLorean refer to that recently on a podcast. Oh maybe. yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know keep... what the hell it is, but um, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah. Can I give I'm you my, to... yeah. Send uh, me something. Scrambled egg, two minute pitch of it. All right. Sure. It's a little bit more cocaine shit stain, but uh, (laughs) we're going to alienate more listeners (laughs) at this point. We're, we're in it for a penny. Might as well be in for a pound. Uh, I try to kind of demystify the whole thing though. So a a ring of fire is just a channel opening strategy is all it is. It's where people cooperatively open channels to one another in a circle. I usually do six people that are participating, but uh, basically if you're standing in a circle of six people, Everybody opens a set amount of sats in a channel to the person to their right. Okay. And let's say it's a million sats. So person one opens a million sat channel to person two, who opens a million sat channel to person three, and so on until you got the whole ring completed. And then one person just needs to send half of that amount around the circle to themselves, which in, uh, in effect balances that channel. So the TLDR of it is you open a 1 million sat channel. And then at the end of that process, you have two of those channels that are each worth a million sats. So I spend a million and I get 2 million in, in liquidity essentially. And it doesn't give you any extra Bitcoin because at the end you're still holding a half a million on your side on each channel. So it's not like you spend or get any extra Bitcoin, but you do have extra channels. So you have extra connectivity. It's just a more efficient way to open channels. So if I'm just opening one channel at a time by myself and I'm not coordinating with anybody, then I got to worry about, okay, how do I get this thing balanced? I got to worry about, you know, I spent a million sats. Now I have one channel. Whereas in a ring of fire, you can always kind of double the effect of your connectivity. It's like a open one channel, get one free situation. All right. Well, I'm I'm trying to understand, but I'm it's free real sure estate. Got it. <laughs> Once you do it, it'll make more sense. You yeah. just got to get in the car and drive. It's, I, I can draw you a picture on a napkin too. That would that would really <laughs> knock it out of the park. If, if only we had video. <laughs> <laughs> I got video. Uh, I just set up an owncast server. Have you ever played with owncast? No. You're 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 in way deeper than I am, man. Like, uh, owncast.bullafterbull.com. I, I might have yeah. mentioned it, but I'm following your lead and that's very Ooh, loosely and all um, right. That's a I'm, dangerous thing to let me know, my man. Well, no. I'm gonna start sending you all kinds of links. All I mean is I've heard you on a couple podcasts and been like, that's a good philosophy. <laughs> I'm gonna try to figure that out. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, uh and in all seriousness too, if you run into anything that you're curious about or have questions of, like reach out anytime. I'm always delighted to are, are try you to point sure, people in the right direction. Are you sure you wanna offer that? Because I don't know if you saw, but um in one of the Stephen Bell groups recently, um, I talked about how I've been shitting in the park of value for value music lately. Uh oh, <laughs> I've got a bunch of dead uh, RSS feeds. Oh, I did see that. Yeah, <laughs> because yeah. I switched hosting, and I thought that Libsyn was going to keep my old archived files live, mm-hmm. like they would be available, but they didn't. Nah. <laughs> 
And so now I've had to like repopulate and even though my GUIDs are the same, mm-hmm. I there's no way for at least I'm not aware of any way for me to make the uh the URL the same because it right. has yep. to go to my new hosting, not my old yep. hosting. Yeah. Uh, any kind of situation like that is something that Dave can usually handle. So like, uh, if I ever have a problem with the feed or like what the URL of the feed, if the URL of my feed changes, I just shoot an email to Dave and let him know and say, Hey, I had this feed, but now it's over here at this URL. And, uh, can you do your magic? I don't like, I don't know how the index works behind the scenes, but like he can manually do that. All right. Yeah. So Dave's your man on that kind of thing. Cool. And he'll get to it uh, when he can or whatever. That's another cool thing about most of us in this space is like we're all busy in our own kind of retarded different ways, but we like do get to stuff when we can. And yeah. um, it's not like it's not like any extra work for me to see a message or see an email and go, oh, yeah, that's on my mind now. And, you know, once I'm in a sane spot to be able to do it, I'll do it. Might not be, you know. Same day service, but <laughs> it'll it'll get done. That's that's how music and audio stuff is for me. I'm like, I will. This is my relaxing time. You know, it's my yeah. downtime. <laughs> that's what I want to do. You know, man, I'm telling you, when I uh, <laughs> when I did that one rap uh, and put it out, <laughs> there's like several people that send me like beats or. Uh, other music to work on. And I was like, yeah, I'll collaborate with anybody, you know? And I've still like, it's still kind of floating around months later and I'm still going to get to it. Like it's still, you know, on my heart and mind, but it's one of those things where, you know, it'll, it'll happen on the correct timeline. And, uh, I'm only minimally in charge of what that looks like. (laughs) There's so many other external factors, you know, I, I am very curious what the process was, for Abel and the Wolf and that album. Um, yeah. Like what roles did you guys play? Um, and how did you record it? Like what, what did you do? So that was so much fun. Uh, really it was about Abel Kirby reaching out to me and just being like, Hey, uh, do you want to make a music album with me? And I was like, hell yeah, I really do. I love that. And then he's such a, like, Compared to me, at least, I he would probably deny this, but he's like a button-down, uh, business, all-business type of guy. And so he had like a contract ready, uh, which wasn't like a big legal gotcha contract. It was just like a official, like, hey, we're going to do this thing, and we agree right. to this. Making things um, clear. Yeah, exactly. And like laying it out in writing and saying, hey, you know, we're, we have an agreement to make this album, and here's how the splits are going to go down. Um, it was his idea to... Um, commission artists to make unique artwork for every track on the album. And then the agreement was oh, of the okay. artists, yeah, of the so artists that making uh, beans I'd heard a long time ago. And I only yeah. just discovered the, the rest of them. <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. yeah. Which there's some awesome songs too. There's, there's another I, yeah, one definitely a great ending. Um, stay a while. Is that it? I love stay a while. That's probably yeah. my, it's probably my favorite, but every, every song that comes on, I always like try to put in the chat, like, Hey, this is the best track on this album, by the way, <laughs> <laughs> except for making beans. Cause that one people know, like <laughs> Dude, that it's, it's good. <laughs> I still like it it's very so much. much. Like <laughs> it's, uh, the, the sound of it's great. 
I can't sit still. Like uh, I'm always jumping around on that. So my role on that was just adding drums. So I'm the drummer on all those. Um, just adding drums. Just you adding the drums. Website. Okay, I did a lot of the technical shit. And um, also, built you guys the feed. created a podcast while you were putting the album together called Ablecraft, where you kind of describe in each episode what you're currently working on up until completion. Oh, wow. That, that was Ablecraft with a K. Yeah, Ablecraft, all one word. Craft Thank you. Work. Yes. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so bad at plugging. Um, but Lorian is good at remembering the details. That's what I appreciate ah, about you. Yeah, well, thank you, because I might check that out. Um, really what it came down to, that was probably the most crucial part, was we were having sporadic calls every once in a while about progress on some of the songs, and you know, he'd send me uh, music to some and be like, all right, I need, I need drums on this, or here's what I'm thinking for lyrics, you know, do you have any input or feedback, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then one day while we we're on a call, just talking on clean feed, like we're doing right now, he was like, you know, we, we might me being me and you being you, it might be beneficial for us to do this regularly, like weekly and put it out as a podcast. And then that way we will take it more seriously and kind of, uh, You've you know, committed make, yourself. Yeah, we'll make sure that it's regular. We'll make sure that we have something interesting to say because people are going to be listening to it and we'll have to, you know, it will be more than just like, yeah, okay, I'm getting to that. Yeah, okay, cool. Yeah, accountability. Yeah, yeah. like, as a, as two podcasters, it was just like, hey, you know, if we make this into a podcast, we're going to care a lot more about it just right off the bat. Not that we didn't care about the album, but it just kind of enhanced everything. Oh, that's um, really interesting. And Abel is just a genius with that kind of thing. Like he, he knows how to um, build the walls and like box us in just enough so that we get the thing uh, done. He also was like, you know, on one of the Abel crafts, it was like in October or something. He was like, yeah, so uh, I kind of want your opinion on this, but I've pretty much already decided we're going to release the album on Christmas Eve. And for me, I could have done that podcast forever. You know what I mean? I could have just kept doing it and never really had an album. And then he was like Christmas Eve because we got to like publish the thing. And it was another just such a smart decision. Is that why there's a Christmas song? That is one of the reasons. Yeah. He was like, I think I want to publish it on Christmas Eve and I'll write a Christmas song for it. Nice. One of my favorite Christmas songs too, it became. And it's funny too, because um, I hate to say it, but there's a better Christmas song. By Hey Citizen. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Oh God, yeah. I really love that one too a lot. It's, it's Christmas um, time again. <laughs> it's so Christmas okay. time. Just sounds like we a Christmas song that you every time you I already the uh, military industrial complex. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because when you hear that song, it just sounds like something that you grew up listening to. You're like, wow, this isn't the first time I'm yeah, hearing this. It's like. It's like the end of the Grinch movie or something. Like it's yeah. so festive and, and absolutely, yeah, it's, it's right wonderful. It it's somehow nostalgic, but also it's a brand new song. <laughs> it's killer. Yeah, um, that guy comes up with just the greatest stuff, man. And that's what's so cool about being in this arena, man. Like it's it's being surrounded by other people who get it. They just get it. They see the corruption and the rot 
and the grossness in the uh, fill in the blank industrial complex. Like it doesn't matter. Right. You can point at food. You can point at medicine. You can point at music. You can point at fucking anything. There's an industry for, and you it's all gross and agriculture. Captured. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, absolutely. Like anything and everything has been commodified and factorized and, uh, all of the love and joy has been just siphoned out of it. And then you get into this value for value scene and you've got people on one hand actually evaluating, is this good for me? Is this worth it? Do I find real value in it? And on the other half, when they do find something like that, they support it with just everything with their love, with their attention, with their money, with their talent, with like, uh, just everything they have, they believe in it. And you know, you can't fucking believe in Oscar Mayer hot dogs. You can believe, uh, in the value for value products that you find valuable. Like it's just a completely radically life changing way to start to think about the world around you. And it's what's awesome too about it, by the way, is it, it like it scales perfectly for whatever, you know, it's not like the old way of trying to be a musician is like, Oh, I hope that we fucking land a McDonald's commercial and blow up and make millions and millions of dollars and, uh, get STDs and die of drug overdoses. (laughs) Whereas here it's like, you know, I hope people appreciate my shit and send me a little bit of value so that I can take that value and make more of it. And it's a more sustainable, realistic, uh, healthy type of mentality to have. Yeah. Yeah, it's totally changed the way that I do just about everything. It's, um, it's very cool that you've managed to, meet people in person through that. Yeah. Like the value for value community or whatever is, um, it's very online, right? And meeting people close to you is also like a really valuable thing. And so how, how have you done that? So that's a really awesome thing to explore. And I'm glad you asked that question. Uh, it's another aspect of decentralization. And um, you've got to imagine that people slowly kind of realizing there's better way to live um, and it being so online driven in nature, that means it's going to be geographically distributed all over the place. So for us, it really started with local no agenda meetups first and foremost. And it was just Lorian and I listening to No Agenda every week and waiting to hear the Kansas City meetup announcement. You know, we were like, yeah, there's going to be a Kansas City meetup announcement one of these days. And we did this for like nearly a year, probably. Just like listening and thinking, waiting. you know, oh, Kansas City, though. Kansas, because you hear Kansas City in the donation segment all the time. Yeah. Or like, you know, surrounding area uh, cities. So we were like, yeah, surely one of them people. But then it kind of just dawned on us one Sunday when we were listening to a live show. We were like, you know what? All of the other people are sitting there just like us saying, oh, man, I hope that one of these guys makes a meetup. I was like, you know, we're going to have to just do the meetup. We're just going to have to <laughs> I've put something about on the meetup. <laughs> should do it. If you thought about it, you should totally do it. Definitely. And people will come. That's what really blew my mind. It's like we set a time and a date and um. I started making promos, which always helps a lot. Uh, if you just make like just a little tiny, like 30 second ish 
audio promotion, a little audio, a little yeah. something to like catch people's attention, you know, because it's like once you get that late in the show, it's probably you're listening to a podcast. It's probably on in the background. You're probably just kind of passively listening, you know, uh, but then you hear Kansas City and you're like, whoa, wait, hold on. I know that place. <laughs> and uh, so we've found tremendous success and really great relationships that started just by saying, you know what, we're picking a time and place and showing up. And uh, right before the whole pandemic craze is when we started doing that, but we kept it going through and we, we just keep on picking times and places. And then that expanded uh, further uh, really in the first big way was the Nashville meetup two Valentine's days ago, or was it? Yeah, it was, it was two Valentine's days ago. It was in 2022 in Valentine's day at a big Nashville roller skating meetup, which, uh, uh, which, <laughs> nice. which, you know, Adam unfortunately could not attend because of a failed COVID test, which he now berates people for taking and calls them retarded, which is hilarious. But, uh, you know, uh, I missed a, a chance to meet him, but what we didn't miss out on was a bunch of uh, fellow NA streamers making the trek from uh, California, from many, uh, Minnesota, from Ohio, from uh, all over the place, from all over the country. A bunch of different people kind of convened in Nashville and meeting them for the first time it's it's always kick ass. Another person that we met um, in person, probably one of the first people that we had talked to online, but really met in person was uh, Fletcher down in Texas. And um, uh, f- you know, honestly, thinking back, I don't even remember what sparked that. Do you remember what sparked that trip down there, or like how we put that together? I don't. <laughs> I mean, we were guests on Hog Story, and then we just kept talking online offline randomly put it together it was right after the 15 days to flatten the curve or whatever nonsense yeah. so you guys were planning road trips already nice That's yeah ballsy. and he was just kind of i can't even remember remember like what sparked it or set it off or who suggested what first but you know we just was like left the kids with uh, my dad and went down there for a weekend to um just to, just to hang out and um, meet in person. And when you meet people at a no agenda meetup, especially the ones where you've talked to them on shows, like, you know, like you and I are doing right now. Uh, yeah. You and I and Lauren are doing right now. Yeah. You get to know each other. It's like meeting somebody that you already know. And it's such a phenomenon. It's such a wild uh, thing that is very unique. Like it's not, it's an interpersonal connection that uh, I've, I've not really experienced the same human to human thing in any other endeavor in my life as like meeting somebody who you've already kind of hung out with and had conversations with and kind of know, you know? Yeah. Um, And then just putting a face to a voice, shaking hands, hugging people, like making eye contact um it's 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 so valuable it's like it's just silly like i I can't really put it into words i sound like a fucking no i i I am i actually understand because i have a fellow podcaster who i met for the first time not that long ago and i'd met him online before then 
and yeah. it was pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very neat. Um, we, we make opportunities now. That's just what we do. So like Lorian's from out in Massachusetts. And, uh, now when we head out there, we hit people up on the way and, you know, sometimes we have a place to stay or sometimes we can just like snag a meal as we're swinging through, um, Toonton Mousy Bear were kind enough to host us uh, as we were passing through Farmer Todd. Well, shit, I'm uh, on the way Pennsylvania. from you to there. <laughs> there you go. Nice. Yeah, you can make you a stop. You know, I'm we just PA, try to. PA. Gotcha. Very nice. Yeah, we just try to make those opportunities happen. We say, you know, what's an extra hour and a half of driving to get an, like an overnight stay with people? You know, save. We don't have to pay for hotel. They're going to feed us. And we like, um, I don't know. We just have this like really meaningful human connection. And it's, it's just another piece of the value cycle. I think that's not talked about enough. And and we try to do the same thing, uh, with people passing through like cotton gin is, uh, swung through a, a couple of times on cross country road trips. And, you know, we got a place that he can lay his feet up and he doesn't have to pay for a hotel and, and this kind of thing. Um, We've had lavish stay here. We've had blueberry stay here. So, uh, it's just a an extra layer of that uh, kind of camaraderie. I mean, the thing that is maybe closest that I ever experienced in my life was uh, hosting like traveling college baseball teams. You know, and like you. Um, oh, really? Like in our local town, there was a there was a traveling college team, and they were they like uh, all you know every. Like a family took one of the players in and right, stayed at their yeah, house I get and, and that kind of thing. So um, it's just kind of that. It's kind of that awesome little opportunity you have that uh, is a way to provide value and receive value. Like it's so reciprocal and it's all like based in love and respect, you know, and um, it's just like been so life enriching. That's really cool. Yeah, it's 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 fantastic. I can uh, smoke up some ribs, you know, one of my favorite <laughs> things to do. And then I get to share it with people. Ooh. You can enjoy it together. I didn't get a deer this year, but oh. I've got some ribs in the fridge anyway. That's one of the things <laughs> I've always really wanted to do is uh, harvest a deer. I still haven't done that. Growing up, my dad, you know, and I never had guns and never hunted. He was like a f- big fishing guy. So I always oh, learned yeah. to fish. Yeah, but, my uh, dad took me fishing. He never took me hunting, but he did teach me how to shoot a gun at least. So that was good. Nice. And so then I found my own way as far as hunting goes and had a good mentor who was my age. I just uh, took my dad la- this past year to a gun show here locally and got him his first gun. Really? Yeah. No shit. Yep, That's great, true man. True story. <laughs> that's really cool little, little 22 rifle you know nothing like ah, crazy nothing, but... no, nothing crazy but whatever yeah going to a gun show i just went to my first gun show recently nice um, i mean a lot of like, fun. i say recently it was last year sometime but yeah uh those Did you uh just ask the guy at the door can you point me to the loophole booth <laughs> <laughs> just looking for the loophole here i'm gonna have to remember that one for next time <laughs> <laughs> they, they love that yeah no, they really I, lo- they I, love when you say that. 
I had to wait around for all those background checks that apparently don't exist. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, okay, fill out this form for the federal government. And you're like, wait a second, I've been lied to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, that's all right. No, gun shows are... Uh, uh, it's a, I mean, it's it's a cool way to find a lot of guns. Yeah, better just than a gun ju- store I've been to. Like most of them, are, it's like, oh, there's a bunch of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, everything's brand new out of the box and full sticker price and everything. The gun show, you can find old stuff, you can find unique stuff. It's you can find deals because people are like, oh, this one we're just trying to get rid of. You know, it's pretty killer. Killer. No, um... <laughs> Not literally! Oh, no! <laughs> I'm hammered. Ooh! <laughs> Me too. Nice. Yeah. That's a good I way mean, to be. I'm just sipping only, on some... It's a Monday night, right? Some yeah. uh, Tank 7, a it's local there. offering here from Boulevard. It's like an American Saison that packs... Where's the number? You have to put it on there, right? Yeah, eight and a half percent, my man. Oh, nice. So yeah. earlier I had some perpetual IPA, and the last thing I drank was a Bearsner's mead that is called Apricot. Ooh. And it was four point five percent, so it wasn't real strong, but it's fizzy and tasty. Still and gets hot. the job done. It's yeah. hot too. So you're a mead maker? Yeah. Nice. How'd you get into that? I mentioned earlier that I bought a house in 2007. Mm-hmm. And then I suddenly decided I sh- I couldn't really afford beer, like good beer. And so I should make my own. And then someone told me about mead and I started making mead. And I've been making mead ever since then. Only based. <laughs> That's awesome. But I also still buy beer and drink that too. I like I like both. <laughs> yeah, that's what I love too. It's like um once you get down the rabbit hole of things like the DIY and the homesteading and buy your own, people get really like um into purity tests and stuff. Like <laughs> I will never ever be a purist. Ever. Uh but I think that the more you can bite off and the more you can do yourself, you start to appreciate and you start to see the difference, you know? And so like, you know, I fucking, you got to go to the gas station and put gas in the car. You got to, um, you know, I fucking yeah. eat a McDonald's right. cheeseburger every once in a while. And then, but I feel like a shithead every time I do it, you know, like I, it, I see it where you're going in, and I agree with you very much because I'm the bring, same way. I try to do everything like I can, a, but there's also like, I'm not a hundred percent organic, you know? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that most of the people that claim to be are probably full of shit. Uh, well, I, I even wonder about the stuff I grow. Like there could be stuff coming down from the sky that's contaminated. Oh dude. You know? If like, you think too hard air, about like, too much, it's oh like, gosh, dude, I'm using, yeah. Like I'm just using inner city it. dirt, my point, man. Cause that's where I live. <laughs> Yeah. It's food. Eat it. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, how are you going to escape the chemtrails, man? They're no. like all around you. <laughs> They're all around you. It's uh, it's worth being aware of, and it's not worth being afraid of and worrying about. Because what the fuck are you going to do? 
yeah, you can do what you can, <laughs> and then you you know teach your kids about it, and then they they're gonna even do better. Than they're gonna you. think they're gonna about f- it. Yeah, that's what I'm so excited about uh, as I watch my kids grow up. Is like how many things they're gonna figure out that I was just like that I never even saw, and they're like, Nah, Dad, look at this though. Ah, oh, nice. Like, yeah, uh, I'm so pumped for that kind of thing. Like the whole kids are our future. Like I t- I'm a huge believer in that. I agree, but I don't have my own. But I am I think that's awesome. And I do have Tight. nieces and nephews, so There you go. I definitely see that in them for sure. There you go. Yeah. They're smart. Despite it's time, you know, despite their environment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm always uh astounded by different things, man. Yeah. Hey, um, I want to let you guys go soon. I want to probably get to bed soon myself, but before I let you guys go, yes, I want to tell DeLorean, DeLorean, that yes. your podcast, Homegrown Hits, has helped make one of my dreams come true. Aw. because well, that's awesome. What was your dream? When I was younger, I had a dream of hearing my own music on the radio. Right? Yeah. And now, podcasts are the new radio, pretty much. It's true. I listen to podcasts, and I don't really listen to the radio. And when I started to hear my own music on podcasts, it was a beautiful thing. That that in itself is a dream come, th- come true. So, homegrown hits for the win. Hell yeah. That's awesome, dude. Doing homegrown hits with Mary-Kate Ultra and Daisy B. Cooper is a dream come true for me, too. Because I always thought about how cool it would be to be a music DJ on the radio. Just sit around listening to good music, discovering things for people. And here we are. And it's awesome that we play only DMU or decentralized music. So everything that comes in value-wise just goes straight to you, the artist. I'm just facilitating the transaction and introducing music appreciators with the musicians. It's awesome. I am going to quit my DistroKid subscription and go all V for V. Hell yeah. Hell Fuck yeah. yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. That's Why the greatest not? news. I spend money for those subscriptions. I don't make oh, money. Oh, man. <laughs> God, what a gross capture scam. It's just like such a gotcha industry, you know? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it was it was nice having my music available on Spotify and shit. Sure. But, um, I don't know. I'm not feeling the need for it as much anymore. I gotta say that. That's what's so sick, too, that um, I think is very tough, especially for people who just first uh, enter this whole world, is like how new it is and um, kind of the mountain that we will steadily climb over the long term when it comes to, you know, deleting all these other bullshit capture services and just uh, kind of joining or you know uh kind of lifting the veil and seeing where the value is at um for us like it's so fun i i always crack up because i'll see new guys come in all the time and then like the very first thing they try to talk about is like all right well 
we've got to heavily promote this and get this go. And, you know, like we've got to, uh, you know, guys like act like if by the end of the year, we're not replacing Spotify entirely or that we don't have like a million uh, artists on boarded that it's a failure. And I'm like, man, this has been a slow grind from day one. And we like from publishing stay a while until like anything else caught on, like the Dorfels uh, were kind of the first next big uh, thing to come on. And I think in the most serious way, Man, um, the Dorfels have so many bands and Sir TJ, the Wrathful's banjo album is wonderful. I love it. Oh dude, everything they do is so sick. And like, that's what really re-energized me. And then when I see guys get really antsy and like low time preference, uh, I'm just always like, you know, it's going to be all right. This is more of a word of mouth and one guy at a time. You know, we're not going to go buy a fucking Super Bowl ad, my man. Like, <laughs> it's not it's not something you can throw at 100,000 people at once and they're all going to get it and come over, you know? Like, people who are ready to receive the message are going to understand and they're going to want more and they're going to um, be interested. And I'm always so grateful for the uh, the artists that do get uh, Ainsley Costello and her whole team uh, have been really a big driver too. And that's the deal. That's what's so much better about this is like, you don't get somebody into this fad service. that's going to fade in in 18 months, you get somebody who completely changes their outlook and they're going to be there just slow grinding in five years and in 10 years, you know, like, uh, that's how podcasting started and spread. It was, uh, it was not an overnight sensation. It was like a slow evolution. And I think that the same thing is happening. Like I'm, I've been here since the beginning. I've watched it happen with music. So we're in such an early, awesome stage that it's just exciting to watch it all unfurl and, and evolve. Beautiful. Yeah, yeah I think, I think so. It's pretty beautiful. <laughs> yeah. I'm and uh, I'm in for the yeah, grind. I'm a grinder. I, I also want to <laughs> echo that's what I'm saying. Uh I also want to echo what you said, Bear Snare, about homegrown hits, man. Like I've been so impressed with Lorian and like the leadership that she has shown in that whole thing. Like um it's just like it's really what the community needed. Uh, at at the perfect time, perfect time and the perfect person to kind of step into that role and like uh, captain the ship. Like you just imp- impress me a lot with it, you know. Well, thanks, dude. But I do have to say, I wouldn't be where I am without my mentor Boobery and before the schemes because he started playing with the split kit first, and he sat down and showed me how it worked visually so that I could learn it and uh get it rocking and rolling totally so. that guy is an absolute champion and also uh thunderroad.media that's what i like to point artists to if they want the easy solution you know it's like uh a lot of people just want to reach for wave lake as like the path of least resistance but actually uh just reaching out to booberry is a path of even less resistance with even more value uh because he is such an ass kicker and he will just get your albums uploaded and make sure that you have the wallet set up properly to receive uh your share your proper share and um 
it's it's all yours like right as the boost happens like it goes to you there's no waiting period there's no asking permission there's no uh weird gotcha fee that uh is applied once you withdraw it's just all straightforward and uh out in the open so uh he is onboarded he's got so many feeds out there now i forgot the last count of it but it's like yeah i i actually was thinking about offering a service to people to, to like my fellow musicians to like upload stuff because absolutely I upload stuff yeah. from my own bands and I've gotten permission from the rest of them or whatever. But, um, there's more people out there who I know who I could totally put on these platforms and I've considered offering that service and I, I, I could should. do it. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I love that, man. The more the people thing, do it, the better. And like, so everything's here's the thing. you guys are yeah. big on self-hosting. Do you yeah. self-host your actual data? Like, do you upload files to something like some kind of cloud server so you're not just depending on your own electrical grid? Yeah, like for my for my music, it's all on a uh, DreamHost server. So, okay. like, uh, I'm not really the, uh, I don't know, between uptime and security, I'm not really the guy to be running web servers in my basement necessarily. Right. Let's say. So you're so like if I'm using a WordPress site and I've got a hosting service behind that and I'm mm-hmm. like uploading stuff to there. Like that's what I've been doing recently. Yeah, that's perfect cuz but it's uh, still like it's still on someone else's server then. It's not it's Yeah, so the So you the, guys call um Demu or uh what? Decentralized music, but also yep. self-hosting. As hosting your own RSS feed, but not necessarily your own files. Yeah, so like really what makes it DMU is do you own the feed? Did you write the feed? If the feed needs to change tomorrow, are you the one that has permission to do that? Like that's kind of the 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 uh barometric reading that we get. You know, that's the that's the litmus test. If I need to add a split for somebody else tonight, can I do that? And does it go straight to their wallet? And if the answer to that is no, then uh, you, you're not in charge, you know? And if the answer to that is yes, now is it on somebody else's computer or equipment or uh, is it on the cloud somewhere? It might be. But if you control the feed, it's like controlling your keys, you know? Like, you uh, are the custodian of that. You are the one that uh, is in control of how that music is put out there and consumed by these apps and you're in control of where a boost goes when somebody sends it. Nice. And that's all, all it boils down to. Again, like, it's not necessarily a purity test. It's more of a, you know, are you running the show or are you just, you know, are you a homeowner or are you renting the thing? <laughs> yeah. You know, who's in charge? You know, I think the artist should be in charge. And that's the whole promise that uh, podcasting 2.0 has brought to music and really to everything like this can go, this can be applied to documentary filmmaking. This can be applied to uh, I'm trying to look into how we can make comic books be delivered in this fashion. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, all of this kind of stuff. So like any digital files, uh, if you can download it, if you can open a web browser and look at it, if you can open a player and listen to it or watch it, then uh, you can also V for V it on an RSS feed. And like, I really think that's a, the future for for people who are independent. It's the future. Do I think that it will be mainstream the way everybody 
publishes and consumes things? Probably not. But at the same time, like, you know, uh, homesteading isn't going to be mainstream and um, um, all of this kind of DIY bootstrap stuff isn't necessarily going to be mainstream until like, until a complete necessity that I don't wish upon anyone, you know, like <laughs> yeah, really. yeah. total societal collapse. I'm like, might it's make already it, trending, but that's just, that's a, that's a fad and not the mainstream for sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And like, that's the always, it's so funny because I started going to Bitcoin meetups uh, at the suggestion of C Dubs in our chat, who went to one uh, where he is at locally, and he was like, "Yeah, I went to a Bitcoin oh, meetup. Yeah, it was that's fantastic." Thing to try, huh? And yeah, I was like, yep. "Fuck Bitcoin meetups. I wonder if there's one around here." And there was, and I started going to those. And it's so funny, like how few people have even heard of V for V in the Bitcoin meetup circles. And then uh, once they hear about it, how many people just like reject it outright because like, oh, it doesn't scale, or oh, like my mom can't do that or, Oh, a million people aren't doing that right now. Um, it's just like kind of confusing to me, like what, what the barometers for success or what the, what the test for success are, what the measurement for success is like for me, the success is that I no longer have to rely on anybody else. It's just me and the people that want to listen to me and like the people that don't care are allowed to not care. And the system already like, works that way it's fine like everyone who doesn't care that's totally fine (laughs) because the people who do care already bring so much value and the value is growing and that's it's growing in a sustainable way it's not like a reckless out of control growth it's something that's organic and it's real and verifiable you know you can meet these people in person and shake their hands and they're all high caliber individuals you know like they're, they've all become some of my closest friends over the past three to five years. It's crazy. It is crazy. <laughs> that's what's, yeah, that's the most crazy part. Yeah. Um, so, you know, when my family's like, oh, you're joining a cult. I'm like, yeah, it's a good cult though. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. I, I actually had a similar experience with uh, some people I met from the freedom cells and I brought them up to meet my parents and <laughs> I was yeah. like, trying to describe it to my parents. is just like, Oh my gosh, it sounds like a fucking cult. <laughs> well, but you it, know, it's a, it's a cult, but it's, it's all right. A, Cause we worship the one true God, a Tongwa. What is that? <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm just, I'm literally making a shit tongwa. up. <laughs> you're, you're deep in the bowl, eh? <laughs> Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> we're behind the curtain, as it were. Behind the curtain. <laughs> oh, there it is. Ooh, I hear those curtain beads. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, value for value is uh, people coming out to a birthday party, Lorian through for me, out in the middle of the Ozarks, and spending like six, seven hours detangling those very curtain beads <laughs> that were all tangled in a fucking haywire so mess. that's your own sample recorded from your house? Yep. <laughs> very yep. nice. That's awesome. Um, for those worried about the bead curtain, it is totally in great shape now. It's hanging up. It's all, it's all good. It's de-stressed. Yes. Booberry didn't put it in a trash bag? No way, no. <laughs> no. No, that was where the raccoon carcass went. Was in the trash. <laughs> uh, we let go of what needed to go. 
That's awesome. Which was a lot. Which was a lot. We need to do some of that too, but that's a project for another day. <laughs> no doubt. That's the never-ending uh, cycle there. Yeah. Hey guys, I'm gonna get going. I thank yeah. you so much for coming on. Absolutely. No, thank you for inviting us on. This was a lot of fun. It has yeah, pr- been. Appreciate you reaching out, man. And and I'm serious about it. if you ever you know need advice or have questions or hit weird stuff on your note or whatever else, like just. Hit me up. If I don't know the answer, I can figure out somebody who does. I appreciate that a lot. Thank you. Absolutely. We appreciate you, man. Thanks for the wonderful music, too, that you've been making. Oh. (laughs) Thank you for listening. It's it's just wonderful to have people listen and enjoy it. So, yeah. uh, Absolutely, man. It's nice. Hey, guys. Thanks for coming on my Friends Hate Freedom podcast. It's a pleasure. Give, Thanks for having give us. Give your quick plugs and we'll get out of here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, point any web browser uh, near you to bowlafterbowl.com. And then Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Central, tune into Homegrown Hits, which you can find live on the Bowl After Bowl stream. And you can check out the catalog of every DMU tune that's been uploaded at homegrownhits.xyz. Take care, everybody. Adios. Later. I heard you were leaving. Well, that habit's hard to break. With all the angels vagabound, beautiful and gray. Hit night. Didn't come for free. So when you learn my new neurotic sister, when you learn that you just feel the same, and when you learn my new neurotic sister, come again. It's just blisters where the fever once had been. So stay.
the same If it's all the same Lord, have it's hard to break Lord, have it's hard to break Lord, if it's all the same